In this episode, we talk about being justified in Christ. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. I am Andrew, and with me as always is... I am Mike. Yes. So in this podcast, we talk about, you know, theology and biblical truths, and we want to see how they impact our daily lives now. And that's what the show is about. So speaking of lives, though, Mike, how are you doing? How is your life? <laughs> Life's good, man. Yeah? Life's good. Uh, this is a... Uh the end of January, which means this weekend, I signed up two out of three of my kids for soccer. Come on, brother. <laughs> come on. Is that is spelled with four letters? Soccer? Soccer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, we signed up uh, our daughter and our youngest son for baseball and softball. Um, I'm actually planning on coaching my daughter's uh, 10U softball team and my okay. youngest son's t-ball team. And then February, the 1st of February, I think, our oldest, our 13-year-old son, he gets signed up for uh, Babe Ruth baseball. So, so coming up here is going to be a very, very busy season for you. It's going to be pretty fun, like yeah. Breakneck pace. Just. Yeah, usually in the spring we spend most every night on a baseball or softball field, and uh, except for usually Saturday nights and Sunday nights. Okay. Usually we get those off, and so it's, it's going to be good. That'll be exciting. So this is your second year coaching here locally, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So this will be interesting seeing how you're just, you know, you're still kind of getting to shake hands and get to know people in the baseball community. It's a, that's a that's a completely different tribe that I have no affiliation with. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what happens in you, through you, and as you connect with people in the name of Jesus. And, you know, seeing your kids grow up to be to be athletes. Yeah, it's 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 exciting. I'm, I'm really pumped. Uh, so I texted out our softball team. Uh, from this last year, all of the girls and actually all their parents and just said, hey, signups are open, registration's open, jump on board. And we just had a kind of a bunch of people already text back like, yeah, and okay. they're ready to play. And uh, we had a really good softball season last year. And same with T-ball. We've uh, had some parents say, hey, you coaching again and we want to be on your team. And so it's just, it's it's fun. It's community. It's really kind of connecting with people and and uh, and having a good time learning learning a sport that patterns so much of life. And you, you know this through my preaching. I, yeah, I, I you, talk about it. I try not to talk about it all the time, but there, in anything, there are pal- parallels between spirituality yeah. and life. And, oh, yeah. And so there's just a lot of uh, lot of life lessons that you get to teach kids and parents and myself when we're out there on the field. How long have you been playing baseball? I mean, I started playing when I was a kid, yeah. So I, I played uh, I played Little League. I played uh, – last year I really played was ninth grade. Okay. Um. And so that was, you know, just a little bit older than Jaden is right now. Okay. And uh, and so I've been coaching Jay since he was like five, though. And so I've been coaching for like eight years. Wow. Multiple seasons, usually multiple okay. teams. We did some, you know, I coached fall ball and spring ball when I was up north. And so I think I've probably coached maybe twenty different teams in the last eight or nine years. If there was as a coach, gosh, I probably coached more like twenty five, hmm. more than that. yeah. And maybe this is not the best question, but I, I'm just curious. It's a terrible question. Okay. Sure. Yeah. If you, if you had a child that was not very skilled, but you had to put them in the, to put them out there to play, not to bat, but like when they're on defense, what's like the, uh, what position would you put them in? Depends on the level. Okay. Uh, that we're playing at. It depends on really the skill and the confidence of the kid. Okay. Because like softball, ten you actually it starts to become pretty competitive. T ball is a different story. I can you can kind of put kids anywhere except for like the pitcher's mound because in T ball they don't pitch but they stand there and that's close. Uh huh. And so you want a kid that actually 
is aware of what's going on because yeah. you don't want a kid putting his head down and getting hit with the ball. But uh, like softball, it's competitive enough that you know there there are a few positions that a kid has to have a certain level of skill to okay. to play with confidence. Like because mm-hmm. because I don't want a kid that you know can't catch at first base because mm-hmm. that's defeating for them. Yeah, if if they're someone's throwing the ball to them and they just they're ducking out of the way and they're scared that's not good for them i like that i like that you're thinking through like how you how to build up a yeah. child okay that makes sense and so really like in, in that level that i talk to the kids about them able to pitch mm-hmm. like every kid wants to pitch at that level mm-hmm. and uh and usually what we do is we say here's here's the attitude you need to have to pitch first of all and we talk a lot about attitude and so our motto for my teams is always attitude is everything and so we try to train into them like i'm gonna have a good attitude if i strike out i'm gonna have a good attitude if i do good i'm gonna have a good attitude if i don't play the position i want i'm gonna have a good attitude and so i'll tell a kid like hey um you know you're not playing this position not because you're not able to physically, but because you got a stinky attitude because mm-hmm. you yelled at the umpire when you got struck out. Like that has happened. Okay. Um, things okay. like that. Um, but for the most part, we will put a kid where they want to play up, up at least Ella's level 10. You, uh, as they get a little older, it gets a little trickier. Okay. Cause it becomes a little bit more competitive and, yeah. and you want the team to succeed. You want kids to succeed. It, it's, case by case okay that makes sense i was just thinking i played baseball one year oh yeah and i didn't do t-ball i didn't do any of that stuff it was like i think i was in third grade my friends were playing mm-hmm. and i was like i told my parents like hey i want to play with no experience yeah. whatsoever and uh i i was really fortunate like they, they you know they they taught me a lot and did whatever but when i played they put me in as, as a right fielder yeah that's usually the spot okay that's i was just now as an adult looking back at that i was like is that where you just put kids that don't know what they're doing? Well, we had some kids last year because um, I got a roster last year. I know we're getting off track a little bit, but I got a roster last year and uh, it was a thin roster. And then one of the girls registered from Longview, Texas. Oh, uh, so she just went and Googled Longview softball and registered her kid. And, and uh, I tried to convince her to drive up every week for <laughs> games, but she wasn't really interested in that. And so we actually didn't have enough to fill a team. Oh, wow. And so actually I you know my daughter has some friends and so i started calling her friends as parents and said hey we, we need to fill this roster and i like you guys and our daughters are friends why don't you play and so we had a few girls never played before okay and they ended up succeeding wow and, and a lot of it is that attitude is everything and and you know start from ground zero like build up and and so probably very similar in crossfit like you, you train the smallest motions and you build to the bigger motions yep. and it really it creates a successful experience and so um yeah so we and, and also in in that level no girl plays outfield every game like all the game like oh, okay. we, i rotate them infield and outfield and so the skilled players end up playing right field okay as well as the not so skilled players that's cool so we we try to make it even we try to make it so that they can learn and progress mm-hmm. and be a team Okay, that makes sense. I just I, I played baseball that one time. That's the other than like PE. That's the only really experience I have. I have in that. So what else? Everything else going good with you, Mike? You uh, I I left you alone for a week last week, and yeah, it was a great week, man. Oh yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. So so yeah, I, I was on vacation last week, and I it was more of a staycation. Um, I, I hung out with my brother, and we we're, we're working on some some projects right now. And I was telling you before we started this this episode that um, we made a Totino's taco. 
this is kind of the highlight of my week because my brother and I were just really excited to do this this thing because we thought it'd be epic. Have you have you ever watched Epic Meal Time where they made like a fast food lasagna? No, I'll put it on my list though. Okay, it's it's a waste of time. You don't okay. don't, don't worry about it. But I've been too busy watching uh, Swamp People. <laughs> I, I gotta check that out. Um, what channel is that on? Like, what know. network is that? Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll look. I'll Google it. I'll Googs. But uh, last week we were doing this because. In our life group, someone had mentioned something, and then we're like, "Yeah, we'll make a taco out of T- Totino's pizzas." So we went and got one of those, you know, those frozen pizzas, and that's like the taco shell. And then we use pizza rolls as the filling inside the taco. Just whole pizza. pizza rolls? Yeah, whole. So you didn't pizza like rolls. cut them up or anything? No, we should have. I, now that I think about, it, we should have added like we might do it again now. Mm-hmm. We should have added like sour cream and other things on top of it. But all I did was like I just folded it like a burrito filled with Totino's and ate that. It was so. Lackluster. Yeah, that sounds like if it sounded like it was going to be a lot of fun, but we we didn't. It, it, it wasn't that big of a deal at all, and eating it was really hard. Uh, actually, I'll show you a picture right here. This is me trying to eat it. And yeah, that looks pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. But uh, for all you listening to the podcast, it looks gross. I'll post this picture later. But that, that I did that, and then I went down to uh, I went to Salem. Uh, for, a lot of people know that like, I went to Bible college down down in Salem. And I just went down there to visit old friends and just see what's going on and stuff. And uh, one thing I'm upset about is uh, Chipotle is everywhere now down there. Man, had I had Chipotle been down there when I was in college, I would I would have gained so much good weight because I would have just been eating steak bowls there you go. all the time. But uh, actually, while I was down there, I was I was talking to my best friend Adam, and he was he, we were roommates senior year, and uh, we were just driving around looking at we were went to our old apartment, and I was sitting there. And he said to me, Andrew, I don't remember us cooking a single meal when we were in our senior year. Are you serious? And well, I was like, I was, I was like, I think I made potatoes once <clears> or something. <throat> and we we're like, what did we eat the whole time? Because we were off campus, we didn't have you know the cafeteria and stuff. And his now wife was like, you guys just had pizza and Taco Bell almost every meal. I'm like, did we? She's like, yeah. Look across the street. I'm like, oh, that's right. There's a Taco Bell and a Little Caesars. And uh, yeah, I, I just remember now like feeling. The moment she pointed that out, I just felt sick and just re- started thinking about how gross that was. For every meal, it was Taco Bell or Little Caesars pizzas. Oh, man. That was college. That was fun reminiscing that. <laughs> those days are past. Yeah. Yeah, those days are past. <laughs> so, anyway, Mike, we've got some uh, we've got some things happening around here at Valley. Uh, some exciting things, some, some new things, some... Actually, there's a lot of new things. But uh, just a heads up for this this podcast we're recording the day it's going to be released. So this week, uh, January thirty first, I believe is the is Friday, uh, this upcoming week, we're going to be doing our family Friday. So if you are listening and you've got some kids between the ages of kindergarten up to about fifth or sixth grade, fifth grade, uh, they're free to come hang out with me and some other adults from from six to nine. I know some people get confused. It is six to nine, three hours. We want to be a you know. Uh, we want to minister to you to give you a time to just spend some time for yourself, you know, self-care or maybe go on a date. We felt like two hours wasn't enough for people to just get a break for themselves. And uh, we have a great time with the kids. So feel free to, to give me your kids. <laughs> so that's one thing that's happening. Yep. My kids will be there. <laughs> yeah. I saw they, they registered. Uh, your wife texted me yesterday that's and was funny. like, hey, you'll have gluten-free food for her. I'm like, Yes. And I wrote it down because I did forget. Yes. <laughs> so, 
So the other thing we have going on is uh, we're in the beginning stages of organizing uh, kind of like an annual meeting, uh, a mid-year annual meeting. And so we do a, uh, our, our family church like business gathering in October yes, where we kind of vote on some things and install new leaders and, and whatnot. But we've been talking a lot about, uh, man, we doing that once a year is good, but we kind of feel the need to do like a, a halfway through update. And so we're, we're planning right now for the end of February, maybe early March doing a uh, almost like a state of the church kind of like the state of the union and um and so if you are part of valley and you're listening to this i, I hope you'll kind of put it uh in in your mind right now when we announce that we uh we hope people can come and actually today i'm going to shoot an email the monday memo that i send out almost every monday i think i missed it last week um but with a little bit of a survey for those that are part of Valley, just saying what what works the best for them, what day would work the best for them, whether it's a Friday night or a Sunday night or a Sunday afternoon. We just want to make it so as many people as possible can be part of that, come and find out what's going on in the life of the church. That's right. And we're looking at March, right, is when we're doing this? End of February, End early of February. March. Okay. So I'm okay. not exactly sure yet. So we do have some time for people to plan and prep yep. for this. But uh, this is going to be an exciting, exciting meeting, I feel. I, so much has changed, and we've launched a lot of new things. Um, last week, I I heard from some parents that they're excited about things that are happening in children's ministry, just with how strong our Wednesdays are becoming and the curriculum that's going home on on the weekends that they're excited about that. I think as we take the time to recognize what is happening, what's continuing, what, what needs to continue to be addressed as a church together, we can strategically support one another and move forward as a church. So this, it's going to be an important meeting. Yeah. And part of this is really just the elders trying to be as transparent as possible, right? Life's busy. Church is moving forward. And uh, we, we just don't want to have a church where no one knows what's actually going on. We want uh, a platform for the elders to communicate with people and people to share their thoughts and, and observations about the life of the church so that we can really, we can be serving the Lord together. And so I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. Yes. That, I think that will be good. So, hey, last week, something happened while I was on vacation. Uh, one thing that I wanted to share was that uh, we had a Nerf war for the youth ministry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. Actually, you know what? We, we're going to start doing things with middle school, high school uh, kids every other month or so. Uh, if you want to just hang out, if and if you are interested in helping with children's or youth ministry, but you're like, oh, man, I don't, I'm really nervous to teach or to, you know, anything that's, I, I guess, uh, intimidating, like, like, t- theologically related things. And you're like, man, I don't feel prepared for that. You know what? There are plenty of opportunities to just show up and be a chaperone and connect with children. Um, There are so many, there's a great need for kids and teens to just be able to connect with adults. And so if you're looking to hang out, that'd be good because we're going to be doing these Nerf 4 things uh, more often. I mean, so often that Alex and I took out all of our uh, stuff that we've been buying for the last year. And I realized that I've been, buying Nerf guns for no reason, but now I have a reason to have them and I'm excited to just uh, romp on some kids <laughs> starting, you know, starting a monthly basis or whatever, but it's in the name of Jesus, you know? So if you want to be, if you're, you know, if you want to shoot some kids for, with Nerf guns, uh, you know, come, come let us know, drop me a line and we'll get you hooked up. So, um, with that said, we're going to segue into chapter three of the book that we have been reading. Yep. So uh, we have been reading, who am I? Identity in Christ. And last week, we talked about uh, chapter two, how we are we are in Christ. Now, this week, we're taking the next step of implications, and we're looking at justification. So that's that's a big topic. And um, I don't know, as we go through this in chapter three, 
Uh, it starts with kind of like a definition, and then it, then it goes into how it is that we are justified in Christ, and then it goes into uh, kind of a direct application. Mike, do you kind of you want to explain what justification is? Yeah, so justification it is a legal term, it, and it's the idea of the courtroom setting. So the best picture, if, if we're going to use a picture to describe justification, imagine you uh, standing in the courtroom of God, and uh, and you're guilty and you know you're guilty and he knows you're guilty and anyone else there knows you're guilty and uh that's kind of a frightening moment right but justification part of what it means to be in christ like we talked about last week justification is this legal declaration when you are standing there before god and you should be declared guilty but because you're in christ because you have trusted in jesus and his death and resurrection because he has atoned for your sins because he's paid the price for your sins. God in that moment declares that you are not guilty. All right, so imagine that gavel hitting hitting the desk right there as God, the, the ultimate judge and ruler just says, and he declares you not guilty. That is what justification is. It means that you are now in right relationship with God, really legally right relationship with, with a holy and perfect God. So right. your unholiness your sin, because it's been paid for, there is no longer this this uh, this broken relationship, this unrighteousness between you and God. And that the 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 question that 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 begs to be answered after this, like, how is that possible? How is it possible that we, as broken individuals, we as rebellious humanity, can stand before God and be declared justified? Uh, growing up in Sunday school, they would use that like justified as in just if I'd never sinned or, or it, it's, you know, one of those things that we use to teach kids or whatever, but it's, it is, it's, it's standing in that courtroom setting and saying like, you no longer, you are in right relationship now with the law and it's accordance. And it's because we are in Christ, but it's because of what Christ did for us. And that's what the rest of the, the next section of the, of the chapter goes into. It, it goes into what Christ actually did for us um, in that he well, it's, it talks about the law, the curse of the law and what he did in relationship to that. If I read this correctly, it, it talks about how uh, there are a lot of people, in, and this is even in, in, in churches now, I wasn't, wasn't going to say Christianity, but more of churches, people who are trying to be Christian, they are trying to exercise righteousness by exercising works of the law. You know, we, we call that uh, moralism. They, they take the Ten Commandments and they see that as like, okay, these are the rules I have to live by. I need to make sure that I'm never lying, that I'm never stealing, I'm never cheating, I'm never doing all these things. And because I do a lot of these things really well, I'm justified. Even though I might, you know, fib a little bit here, but overall, I'm a pretty good person because I, I've lived as hard as I can by these, these rules. But in a courtroom setting, you're still guilty. Yeah. That's what we're getting at. And the error that way is, is that they forget who the judge is. Right. Right. If, if we, when we do that, when we start to say, Hey, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm not doing the major ones. I'm not like, you know, burning down houses on the weekends or, or killing people like, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Especially when I look at my neighbor and you know, that guy, he swears all the time or, you know, like he cheats on his taxes or he's, you know, a, a liar or whatever. We, we say, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, but we forget that the, the measure that we have to measure up to the standard, it's not our neighbor. It's not being better than the person next to us. It's not like that old uh, saying, like if you're in the the if you're out camping, you're hiking, 
and you get attacked by a bear, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just <laughs> have to be faster than the person you're hiking with. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, no, the measure we stand up against is the measure of God's holiness. Right. And he is a perfect judge like he is a perfect god and so that question you ask is how is this possible that's a perfect question Mm -hmm. because when we if we're honest we look at ourselves and our our righteousness our righteousness our self-righteousness it's like it's like worthless it's not like it is worthless it's simply stated like those of us who are trying to live by works of the law are going to be found guilty Mm -hmm. that's 100% because none of us are perfect. And that's the person holding us accountable, like you just said, is a perfect and holy God. And so that's that's why we need Christ. That's that's, that's the curse of the law. So the next section of the book, um, well, it laid out two things. It's like if you're trying to be righteous, you have two options. You could rely on your own righteousness or we can exercise faith in Christ. Yeah. And it's dangerous to rely on your own righteousness. I'm just going to interject yeah. for a second. Yeah. Romans chapter one, verse 18 says this, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, right? This is the idea, uh, the idea of justification, non-justification of men, right? Who by their unrighteousness, they're not living in right relationship with God. They suppress the truth. And so our, our guilt our wrong living, it puts us in opposition to God. And so this is saying that all of us are unrighteousness in and of ourselves. We 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 don't have the justification. Right. It's I, I learned this when I was younger. It's the idea that like the question isn't are you a pretty decent person? Whether it's just whether or not are you guilty or unguilty of these crimes. It it's not a matter to the degree because the degree doesn't matter because it's a holy God. So to whatever degree it is, it's still offensive to him. So if you're like, oh man, but I lied a little bit. Well, you're justifying you done something wrong. So that means you're still guilty is what you are. So that you have no righteousness to stand upon yourself. That's, if you're thinking about that, that's a scary thought. It's a super scary thought. That's why once you, once you understand the gospel, right? When you have placed your faith in Christ and you, and you go with option two, what the book lays out, lays out is exercising faith in Christ. The gospel becomes such a beautiful and freeing thing. So let's, let's dive into that. Then like, uh, the other option is then to exercise faith because there is no righteousness that we can bank on outside of Christ because all of us are, are broken. Yeah. He talks through a lot of different angles of this, but I think the, the highlight for me is when he quotes second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. And this is what it says. It says, for our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin. So this is uh, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is talking about justification. This is talking about how we receive it. And so that question that you asked, how are we made right before God? How are we justified? This answers that question. This is this is the only way that we can be made right with God. The only way we can be justified. And this is what it says. And when it, he he goes on to explain that when God made him to to be sin, when when Christ took that on, it's not that he made Christ um, a sinner that he made he caused Jesus to sin. Uh, he he elaborates that he that Christ took on he bore the weight of our sin. I, I bring this up because uh, we talk about Christ and his death on the cross a lot. And even with children, it's interesting. Uh, someone brought up last week, I had, to, I had to sit down and just kind of walk through this with him that they thought that Jesus, so that, so that, so that 
we could relate to Christ that he sinned so that he could bear our sins and then stand before God. And I was like, nope, that's, that's not what it is. Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. But then he took on our, he paid our debt, all that debt that we had because of our own sin. And he paid, he's the only one that could have paid that penalty for us. So he builds that bridge from righteousness to brokenness, not from brokenness to righteousness. And I think it's important that we understand that, that Christ, man, he bore that. He bore our penalty for that. It's like uh, going back to the idea of a courtroom. It's like the idea that you, uh, you're, 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 you, you're guilty. And, um, sometimes like a speeding ticket, like the easiest thing to, for me to think of, like you're guilty of speeding. Why is that? I just, because why, why do you think I've, about that I've, so often? I've watched Vinny get so many of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> sorry, Vinny. Um, I've watched for the record. I've only gotten one speeding ticket in my, in my life. Um, I've been pulled over six or seven times. Most of those were warnings. <laughs> so, um, but you're, you're standing before the judge, and the judge says, you're guilty. There's no arguing with it. You can try to justify it, but you're guilty. If you sped, and the law says you need to be at 25, and you're at 26, you broke the law. That's, that's just what it is. And then you, get the, then you have to pay the ticketing price. Well, as a broke college student, I remember like not having the money, like trying to just freaking out. Like, what am I going to do? And then someone, like it could have been like my mom or anyone, in this illustration says, like, I didn't do this, but I will take that response. I will pay for that person. I will pay the penalty for that. That's what Christ did in a very elementary way. Like Jesus says, like, because he's sacrificed, because he's offended God, I will bear the weight of punishment for, for, for the people that I love. Yeah. I mean, you go back to that verse, right? It says that for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. This is Jesus knew no sin. Jesus was the perfect sinless son of God. There was never a moment in all of Jesus's life where he rebelled against the father. He was perfect. And yet for our sake, out of God's love for us and ultimately out of God glorifying himself, right? Jesus took on the punishment for our sin. And it was not a speeding ticket fine. It was, it was death. Yeah. And so our sin poured out upon him and why? So that we can become the righteousness, righteousness of God. This is often called the great trade. Yeah. Or in this book, he's the great exchange. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is the idea that Jesus comes and he says, I'm perfect and I'm going to give you my perfection and I'm going to take on all of your sin. Right. That's like, that's like a, um, a rich, per, a rich person in the world, a millionaire coming up to you and saying, Hey, I see that you've got a bunch of student debt, right? Oh man. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your debt on and I'm going to give you my savings account. Sound like a pretty good deal to you? That, that, that's That'd be amazing. Ultimately, what's happening here, right. the theological word, I think we've talked about this before, is, is the idea of imputation, right? And so our sin is imputed, taken by Christ. He, he takes the guilt, the, the punishment for our sin, and he pays for it, and then he imputes to us, he gives to us his righteousness, yes. his perfect obedience so now we are justified. We are no longer guilty. We stand, that word righteousness, in right relationship with God. Now, this is this is heady. This is maybe like intellectual in terms of conversation. So we have to ask, okay, what does it mean 
to be justified. Right. What does it mean to live in right relationship with God? Does that mean that I go to church on the weekends and I remember, oh yeah, I'm good with Jesus. And then that has really no impact when I leave a church worship service and I go on for the rest of my week. Like how does justification impact us? How does it affect us? It, that's a good question. And that's, that's what we, we need to land on this because there are so many freeing aspects of just understanding that you are justified because if you, if you're listening to this and you're comprehending what's, what's being said, it should be humbling to know that Christ died on the cross for you. Because when you stand before God, because, because of our brokenness, we are found guilty that we deserve death. We deserve hell. We deserve just the wrath of God. And so we, you should not presume, we should not presume much of this, of this righteousness, of his righteousness imputed upon us. It's freeing. It's number one, I, I, I think of it like this. So last, I couldn't help but think um, yesterday as I, as I went down to visit friends and as rom- just romping around Salem and coming, coming back and I looked at literally like different parts of the cities and, and ministries I've been a part of and how many different positions I've been in to, to work with people. I, I think there are plenty of people that would say like, you know, in the name of Christ, I, I've done, I, I've impacted lives for, for Jesus' name. But I could not help but think about um, a body count of how many people I've hurt. Just trying to do the right thing, but my, my own immaturity or my own uh, selfishness. I've made decisions. I've done things to hurt people. And I've done this while being a leader in a church ministry or organization. And there are times that I ask myself, do I deserve the position that I'm in? Do I deserve the things that I have? Do I deserve that, the mercies of God in my own life? And yesterday, as I thought about those things, I just thought about how I don't serve. I don't do the things that I do because I'm trying to be right with God in the sense of like, I'm not trying to earn his favor. I already have his favor because of what Christ has done. And that by the grace of God, that we just continue to move forward and like lives can be touched and that in God's graciousness, like he's like, I think about the people I've hurt, he's still working in their lives and has done great things. And we've been able to reconcile and, and talk through a lot of things. I, I bring this up because when we stand before God and you're humbled and you just see all the wrongs that you have done. Just know that he doesn't see those things. We've been forgiven. He sees Christ. He sees Christ in us, working in us and through us. Yeah, that's good, man. That's kind of like that question, do I do I deserve this mercy? And the answer is no. No. Yet I he's don't. given it, yeah. right? He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And so this is this has a real world application because, you know, I think about, you know, sitting in, in uh, a situation, maybe a listener right now, and... Uh, I was actually talking to my kids about this today, like um, how we sin every day, right? There's there's sin in our lives. And here here's what the righteousness of God does in us. In those moments when I find myself in sin, I can embrace that sin. I can embrace that guilt of that sin. Or in that moment, I can stop. And I could remember that that sin has been paid for, that Jesus has made it so God looks at me and declares me justified, not guilty. And in that moment, if I stop and I remember in that moment what is true about me because of Christ, you know what ends up happening? I I turn away from sin. 
doesn't mean I never sin, right? But in that moment, it leads me to repentance. It leads me with a soft heart, remembering that God doesn't count my sin against me anymore because he counted it on Christ on the cross. And that is part of this progressive transformation that is happening. To be a believer in Jesus doesn't mean that you never sin and the the desire to sin is just gone forever. It actually means that when we struggle, when we sin, there is a greater power working in us, moving us away from our sin, creating that repentance creating that hatred of sin like even in it right and so this is i I think what jerry bridges calls the subject subjective reality of being justified like there is the objective reality is i i am now not guilty i'm declared that but then subjectively here's what he writes he says in order to experience the subjective reality of our justification we must every day look outside of ourselves to christ there is this daily, and honestly, it's it's hourly and sometimes moment by moment, looking away from myself saying, because if I look at myself, I see my guilt and my shame, but it's looking away from me and and what does the old song say? Uh, Turn my eyes upon Jesus. Yes. And in that justification, it's it's where we get the phrase, Jesus is enough. Because he is. In those moments when we sin, I think I think it's it's there's a, when you sin and you're confronted with it. There's a couple different options, and one of those options is to feel shame and to try to hide. But because we've been justified in Christ because of His righteousness, we can come, we can stand before the God and repent and say, "God, look at what I'm doing. Yeah. This is dirty." And because of that relationship, because of what Christ has done for us, we have that relationship where we can stand before him and he just continues to clean us. Like, what are you talking about? He begins to give us that, that hatred for sin. He begins to heal our broken hearts. And without the righteousness, without the justification of Christ, we would still, we would exist outside of that relationship. Yeah. When we, when we, uh, when we hide, we're not looking outside ourselves. We're looking inside ourselves. Yeah. When we hide, we're depending on self and our ability to cover it up, mm-hmm. our ability to paint over it, that idea of a whitewashed tomb that Jesus talks about. But when we look outside of ourselves, we're no longer looking at it. Like you, you even said, you know, look look, look at this, God. It's actually less look at me, and it's actually, God, look at Christ. Right. Look, at, look at what he has done for me. Mm-hmm. I don't hope in myself and my ability to be good. I hope on the, the righteousness that I have in Jesus Christ. And that, that, that's way more powerful than anything I can do. And this, our lives now, man, is just, I feel like it's, it's learning to recognize that more and more and actualizing that. I, uh, this idea of justification is concept, is something that like, it's, it's ever growing in me as I think about my relationship with God. As God has molded me and shaped me more and more, I just, I begin to rest more and more in that phrase, like Christ is enough. And it. Because I think like as we grow in our sanctification, as we grow to be more like Jesus, that's what we want, to be more like Christ. And he, it's not that I'm actively trying to do something. It's like, I feel like it's Christ coming alive. And hopefully, like when people are looking at us, because Christ is enough, they see his good works. And though I'm a broken person, Christ is not. And he's working in us and through us to bring about, man, joy and peace and love. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of Galatians 2. It says, uh, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right? This is saying, my, because I'm in Christ, I think maybe we talked about it last week, maybe that's why it's on my mind. Uh, I am in Christ. And so this life I live is a life that is, it's justified. It's covered by him. And so it's all about him now. And so I, I'm growing to follow him and love him more and more. Yeah. So I know there are times like when we when we look at biblical concepts, people are always wondering like, well, okay, if this is true, what should I, what should I tangibly be doing? And I don't feel like this is one of those things where it's about doing anything. It's about realizing something. It's about believing, believing it, meditating. And so if it, live by faith that yeah. you have been justified. Yeah. In those moments of sin, turn your eyes to Jesus. Say it's because of Him that I am now right with God. I am not guilty. And that, that changes the heart. Yeah. So even now, like, it's not about, Hey, go call a friend and love them or whatever. It's like, honestly, right now, I would encourage you to just stop whatever it is that you're doing and just know that you are in Christ and in him, you are justified that Christ, not your righteousness, not your acts and works of the law and all these things, but Christ, when he died for you, that was enough. And if you put your faith and trust in him, you're justified. Amen. Is there, is there anything else you, you want to uh, uh, elaborate on when it comes to this chapter, Mike? You know, I think uh, I think we can end here. And uh, I think what I'll do is I'll read his summary at the very end okay. of the chapter and, and then we'll pray. And um, But I really, I echo what you said. Maybe maybe take some time today if you're listening and, and just stop and and think and pray and say, God, thank you that I'm justified. Yeah. Take take that time to to place your faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus in the the reality that because of that you are not guilty yeah. right and so so here's what he writes he says i am justified i am righteous before god because god has charged my sin to christ and credited to me his perfect righteousness let's pray father i thank you so much that that jesus is is the answer that jesus is our savior that jesus is our hope it's not our ability to be good enough or to try harder. Lord, we, we, we turn away from any kind of self-righteousness. We turn away from trying to justify ourselves and our, our sin. And we, we turn away from making excuses for it. And instead, we, we turn toward Jesus, recognizing that, that when he was on that cross, the full consequence of our sin was poured out upon him, that he bled and died to pay the price for our sin and then that he was vindicated through his resurrection and now when we stand before you god a perfect and holy judge we don't need to fear because we look at christ we point at christ we look outside of ourselves outside of our guilt and shame and sin and we look at christ the crucified and risen savior savior and we know that because of him you now look at us and you declare us not guilty Jesus' perfect righteousness has been given to us. Thank you, Father. And I pray that this truth would transform our lives. For anyone listening right now, Lord, I pray that you would be moving in their heart and mind by your spirit, leading them to trust in Jesus even more, leading them away from their sin and ultimately into a life that embraces Christ in every aspect through and through. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.